0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Okay.
3: Are you in speakerphone, Joanna? Uh,
4: yeah. Because You're I
5: like, Okay. You're listening to I Am The Future with your host, Lady Fontaine. Co-host, Dr. Jean Cirillo. Eileen Guan. And Frank Todaro. Special guest co-host, Joanna Sanchez. This is Eye on the Future, and now Lady Fontaine.
3: Thanks, Frank. This is Lady Fontaine, and you're listening to Eye on the Future. We have a great show in store for you tonight. Um, It seems like I'm on the chopping block tonight, and my (laughs) co-hosts Eileen and Frank are going to be taking over the show, and, well, I guess we'll see where this goes. Um, We're also going to be taking your calls later this evening, so give us a call at 646-381-4141 to discuss whatever's troubling you, love, career, life, whatever it is that we can help you with. Give us a call. We'll help guide you along life's journeys. Dr. Jean Cirillo, prominent New York psychologist and relationship expert, is with us tonight as she is every Tuesday evening at 11 p.m. Dr. Cirillo and I will be taking your calls shortly. So I guess we're in store for an interesting evening, some great conversation and some great advice. The phone lines are open, so give us a call at 646-381-4141. We will be taking your calls um, a little bit later this evening and we're gonna be um, taking your calls a little bit later this evening. So give us a call and get in the queue now. All right, it's now time for Lady Fontaine's thought for today. Um, You know, if you guys learn one thing from me, please learn how to honor yourself. Honoring yourself involves defining clear boundaries that protect you. By creating these boundaries, we prevent other people's words and actions from hurting us. We also establish within ourselves what intrinsically aligns with us and feels right for us. In other words, in practical terms, if someone is hurting you or not respecting you and they, they don't honor your attempts to have them change their behavior or actions, then that is not honoring you. If you stay in that relationship or situation and continue to allow someone to hurt or disrespect you, then you are not honoring yourself. As you often hear me say, the law of attraction automatically brings to you the things that you send out. So when we honor ourselves, the universe sends us more experiences which honor us. When we don't honor ourselves, the universe sends us more experiences that do not honor us. So learning how to remove yourself from situations that do not honor you is taking a giant step to begin a process of bringing miracles into your life as you begin to manifest the things that you truly desire. Frank, Joanna, what are your thoughts on on defining your boundaries?
5: Well, it's an interesting correlation just between your own power, the power of your own mind and the universe around you. I mean, as much as last week we were talking about it working in the uh, the negative, I don't know, is is it more of a mind over matter thing you would say
3: Um, in this regard? Well, I mean, in a, when you say mind over matter, you mean mind over matter in defining your boundaries or creating the things that you truly desire?
5: Well, in, in their creation, uh, within the boundaries that you set, as in like setting limits upon yourself, there, I understand the whole, like you gave the example of being in a relationship where you set the boundaries that you want and someone doesn't respect that unless you acknowledge that they are crossing those boundaries, you're redefining the boundaries and letting the universe do to you what it will.
3: Exactly. Um,
5: But is that the same the other way around? If you broaden your boundaries, then would you, in essence, be inviting in something that maybe you uh, couldn't predict in the first place, you didn't expect in the first place?
3: Well, the way the the law of attraction actually works is that what you're basically – what you're sending out, you get back, you know, tenfold or a hundredfold. So if you're honoring yourself, the universe will always send you situations to honor yourself. If you're not honoring yourself, in other words, you know, if, you, if you're in a work situation or if you're in a relationship, and the relationship could be with, friend, with a friend or in a romantic relationship where people... You know, cross the boundaries. I mean, if within a relationship you want honesty and people around you are not being honest to you, we all have that choice when we more or less draw that line. But the important element of the law of attraction is um, when we're not honoring ourselves. So, in other words, if you're in a relationship or you're in a friendship where somebody's lying to you or somebody's, you know not whatever it is, what your boundaries are, I mean you know lying, cheating, um, you know uh, uh, give me give me another situation that could happen in a relationship, whatever it is um, when when you're when you're tolerating that and not standing up and stick, staying true to the things that really matter to you, then you're sending out a very, very clear message to the universe of dishonoring yourself because you're not. Um, honoring yourself in a way to get yourself out of a situation that doesn't feel right for you. So then the universe will always send you more situations to dishonor you. But in the same boat, if you honor what feels right for you, the universe sends you back more things that will honor you. It's not like a predictable thing, Frank, where, um, where you know what the universe is going to send you back. Because, for instance, you hear me often say to stay in a state of gratitude, when, you're, when you appreciate what you have instead of always wanting things that you don't have, um, what the universe does is send you more things to be grateful for. So it's it's really a matter of, and we're going to do a show on this one week as far as learning how to really learn the language, learn the language of the universe. Because there's like a polar opposite of what so often you think, oh, I want to be rich, I want to have the car, I want to have, you know, um, the great job, is thinking positive, and it isn't. It's really sending out that negative uh, message to the universe of you not having
5: it. I believe we're actually joined by Dr. Cirillo now. Uh, Jean, are you there?
4: Yes, I am. This is very interesting and very true. The law of attraction summarized in uh, two or three paragraphs.
3: And what are your thoughts? You get what you put out. Yeah, and what are your thoughts about boundaries? I did a little, um, you know, a little short overview on defining your boundaries and staying true to them.
4: Well, you know, it, it sometimes boundaries can work for you or they can work against you. You have to know when to use the boundaries. Like if you're in a relationship with someone who's dishonoring you, if you continue to let that person in and, and continue to let him or her dishonor you, you're, you're opening your boundaries too much to let in the wrong thing. That's the time to, uh, oh. to close the gate. However, if uh, you you're, uh, so have so many boundaries, sometimes then you're not open when the universe shows you something new that, that might uh, be a different path to follow or, or might awaken something new with within you you're you're closed off to it. And and often when a person's vulnerable their boundaries are open and it's kinda like the pores being open. You know, you let in good but you let in bad. So when you're vulnerable it's very important that uh you avoid the negative situations and, and you go toward the positive because you're more susceptible to both. Whereas when you're focused on work, you're busy, you're involved, often your boundaries are, are a little tighter, and they have to be because you have to be focused on the job at
3: hand. And that actually ties in into what I think, Frank, what you were asking earlier about um, you know, when, when you tighten them or when you actually broaden your boundaries. Did that answer your question? Frank? Oh, I guess he's busy. Um, I, think I it guess actually... <laughs>
4: Frank is busy with uh, the, techie, the techie part of it. So yeah. he, he's got to put up some boundaries to uh, yeah. the other stuff to focus on what he needs to focus on, and that's okay.
3: Right. No, and that's very good. Frank, are you back with us?
4: Uh, he'll come back. Okay. Let's let's not – whenever we don't communicate, lack of Frank. Do you ever notice he, his voice suddenly pops in there when when we're completely not focused on him? <laughs> we're focused on where's Frank. I've noticed that several times on our show now.
5: Well, I've been trying to focus on where Frank is for years now. And, uh, <laughs> well, the
3: reason why I was asking, because I, I kind of felt <laughs> it was time for for your um, little segment here, but are you busy Uh-oh. or are you back with us?
5: Oh, no, I am back with right. uh, with Augusto and ready to read you some crazy stuff.
3: All right. Before, before we start that, though, did you hear Dr. Cirillo and what she was saying about boundaries?
5: Uh, partially. I was actually trying to deal with some tech issues here.
3: Okay. I, I figured that you were. Um, it was interesting because she seemed to really nail what you had asked me, and I was curious ah. if you had heard it, but we'll talk about that later on. So right now... It is time for Frank Tadaro's Paranormal News of the Week.
5: Thank you, Lady Fontaine, and hello, Internet. This is Frank Tadaro. Every week there are hundreds of stories in the news and on the web about the unknown, things that go bump in the night, shoot across the sky, and saunter past video cameras at just the right time. Here are a few of those that stood out to me. First stories from WPIX, a local news channel here in New York City. A body with very long in quotations, very long fingers was discovered on Plum Island. Plum Island, an alleged mutated human body, washed ashore on Plum Island, a small island where the US government typically studies dangerous animal diseases. A security guard on foot patrol reportedly discovered the clothed decomposing body Thursday afternoon on the southwest beach area of the island where access is restricted police said the body was described as that of a white male about six feet tall with a large build and very long fingers according to authorities there were no obvious signs of trauma an autopsy will be conducted by the suffolk county medical examiner in order to determine the exact cause of death Tom island is located about 100 miles northeast of new york city in the long island sound and has been called a potential target for terrorists because of its stock of vaccines and diseases. Now, do you uh, do you guys know what Plum Island is? Have you ever heard of this before?
4: I know. never did. Yeah, no. yeah I, remember, I do. You know?
5: it's, uh, well, I mean, you know, it's a this island off the uh, tip of Long Island. It's been uh, kind of subject to a wide array of conspiracy theories. The, uh, the original statement to the way the island is established today was to pursue a program of research and development. The uh, actual quote, let me see if I have it here, it was uh, to establish and pursue a program of research and development and of certain anti-animal biological weapons. Until back in 69, Nixon ended that. But in, uh, there was a story in Newsday in the early 90s that proved that they actually never stopped that. Now, the reason this story jumped out to me is two years ago, uh, July, 9th, July 2008. almost <laughs> said 1998. I'm Doctor Who. Did you hear the Montauk monster? There was a story going around the internet and Facebook pages and mothers sending chain letters to their kids about this creepy looking monster that washed up on the shore and on Montauk. Do you have, did you guys remember seeing that story?
4: I didn't
3: No, I didn't. I I did not either. I didn't. I didn't
2: either.
5: There's this bloated body that resembled maybe a skinned raccoon or, or, or a hairless dog. It had a beak with teeth on the beak. And I mean, for whatever it was, it was inconclusive, but it was, Purportedly washed on from Plum Island, so something's going on over there. What probably. do you
4: think? It sounds like they're doing some kind of toxic work that's causing human and animal bodies to uh, to mutate or or, or to develop uh, different characteristics. I know people who work with the toxic weapons; their hands look very very old, even though they're protected against the radiation. It, it can't be a hundred percent, and they also have. Flowers and geese, where no flowers and geese should be, because if those things start changing, they know that the radiation or toxic level is too high. Oh, so wow. Plum Island sounds, sounds like, like one of those experimental uh, colonies.
5: Yeah, and it's it's pretty close to home, only 100 miles from uh, New York City. And...
4: Yeah, the wow. wind blows the wrong way. Uh, we'll all get it. We'll all develop <laughs> we'll all in long trouble.
5: <laughs> exactly.
3: Well, is it north, south, east, or west? Sorry, you say of again? City, of New York City. Is it northeast? He had said
5: northeast. It's exactly northeast, oh, northeast of east? New York City. Oh, okay.
3: Yeah. All right. Well, that's, yeah. that makes it a little bit safer because all that that stuff all travels east, right? I'm <laughs> yeah, very sure,
5: right? <laughs> um,
3: What a question, though. Like, are they saying that – does anybody have any idea who this person was that washed
5: up on the shore? I mean a- – Absolutely the... not, no. All all they've released so far is that there's been no blunt trauma, and that's about it. So uh, however he died, it wasn't anyone punching him in the head or anything like that.
4: Maybe he was one of the experimenters, from what I know, one of the scientists who uh, had a little too much of a toxic chemical. And sometimes, from what I've heard, the government then tries to cover it up, and uh, this might have been their way of disposing of the evidence so there wasn't an autopsy or any public outcry. (laughs)
5: <laughs> Not a good job of hiding it from the news, though. So this is all around the Internet. Well, Dr. Cirillo, this, this, is a, this story I actually uh, grabbed because of what we were talking about last weekend. Again, the leader of a country is using the paranormal as a scapegoat. The loser of the Romanian presidential election blames the paranormal, Bucharest, Romania. The latest bazaar claimed to come out of Romania's presidential race last year. The loser and his wife claimed he was subject to the attacks of negative energy by aides of President Basco during a crucial debate. Former Foreign Minister, uh, I'm going to butcher this again, uh, Giovanna, who lost the December 6th runoffs, claims Basco ordered the attacks against him, uh, Metafax News Agency reported today. During the December 3rd debate, debate people who were working for Basco in this domain, were present to the right of the camera. I saw them, and I know who they are. He told, uh, Antenna3 Television. He fared badly in parts of the debate. His wife uh, said Saturday her husband was badly attacked and he couldn't concentrate. Former president dismissed the allegations as discussions for naive people and uneducated people, according to today's edition of the Daily Gondol. So what do you think of that? Apparently there is a uh, violent flame conspiracy going on over in Romania about psychic warfare during political debates. That's something that we don't see here in America.
3: (laughs) Well, well, I'm not so sure that we don't. Really? I mean, think of all of the um, very, very secret um, work that's been going on, you know, in Russia and that's been going on in our government regarding, you know, work with psychics and mm. things of that nature. How do we know what's really going on behind the scenes?
5: Well, we don't. And well, uh, if they're doing their job, we definitely won't ever.
3: <laughs> <That's not> true, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, but we don't know. But I feel that that's, that's an interesting story. But I, I really think that there's stuff going on here. We just don't know about it. And nobody's bringing it to the forefront. Can you imagine if President Obama came out and said, "Well, I had trouble with this last debate because of psychic warfare"? I mean, well, in this <laughs> country,
4: it might be true, but the people wouldn't believe it. Whereas in Romania, maybe there are more uneducated people that vote and that, uh, or more superstitious people that would believe it. But it, you know, it's possible that somebody could have slipped something in his food or. Drink or uh, I would go for that explanation as as why he suddenly lost concentration.
5: <laughs> well, in their backyard, another story this uh this past week, three UFOs were filmed over Moscow. This is more of a hate kids at home, go Google this than a story. But three unidentified flying objects, UFOs were stuffed off in the northeastern part of Moscow, Russia, on Saturday, January sixteenth, and the three spacecrafts crafts were videographed videotaped flying in a triangular formation. Now this is like getting crazy. Every single week there's something in Moscow, be it that giant circle we were talking about, or shooting missiles from Moscow to other countries that make big <laughs> old spirals or pyramids <laughs> floating in the sky. It's 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 getting ridiculous where, like, I don't know if this is just a group of hoaxers saying, hey, you know what, we haven't been to the news lately, let's just put Moscow back in the map. And it's... uh. The, the, the video is crazy. It's it's beautiful. There are these three things. They're flying in formation. They change. They come back perfectly. If it's fake, then they made it just normal looking enough to uh, to kind of look real. But um, it, it's 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 baffling. Apparently, Moscow is spook central for all of our alien visitors.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and if you if
5: you want to visit back, I mean, if you uh you know I mean. They keep coming, hanging out on our planet, If just in case you want to kind of shoot up there from your own backyard. This next story will help you from Wired TV. It's official, NASA is having a garage sale. <laughs> Wired.com's reporter Jason Power reports, if you're looking for a good deal during the recession, space geeks don't have to look any further than NASA, where they can pick up a retired space shuttle for the bargain basement price of $28.8 million. Oh, that's rough. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. What would you
3: do with it, though? I mean, aren't there any, like, courses on how to fly it?
5: I, well, I, I'm sure you, you need a huge chunk of state to do that. Um, well, they, they are sort of restricting these things. Not anybody can buy them. And NASA is oh, saying oh. because of the role these shuttles have played in the nation's space program, special attention is being given to ensure that the, the shuttle's orbiters are appropriately retired and displayed in the broadest interest of the American public. That means, you know, Bill Gates can't put one in the backyard and plant petunias in it or anything like that. But uh, the cost for shipping and handling is just a <laughs> nice, clean $28.8 million. So if anybody's got that, you <laughs> somewhere.
6: Oh, um, wait, wait. No, I don't. No, I don't. <laughs> going
5: once, going twice. No. <laughs> no. Well, this next story, this next story, I'm just going to throw a bunch of stories at you now. It kind of explains maybe why they're selling all these, uh, these uh, handmade UFOs and what have you. Our beloved NASA, unfortunately, says it launched in, an investigation after finding cocaine in the processing hangar of the space shuttle <laughs> at Kennedy Space Center in Florida. Oh a small amount of cocaine oh. was found in a restricted area of the processing hangar Maybe somebody with long fingers was you know, going to <laughs> town there. <laughs> <laughs> Shuttle <laughs> Discovery, NASA, and sent a statement. It's a rare and isolated incident, and I'm disappointed that it happened, but it should not detract from the outstanding work that's being done by a dedicated team on a daily basis.
2: Uh-huh. Kennedy Space Center
5: Director Bob Cabana said in this statement. Uh, they drug test their employees. I mean, this is not anything bad. This is probably some independent contractor walking by and it fell out of his pocket and <laughs> when he leaned the wrong way there's nothing against NASA but it's kind of funny how that popped the same week that they're selling selling all their stuff. <laughs> Is so there any
4: cocaine fit, in right? their equipment that they're selling? Maybe, maybe it's worth all those millions.
5: Jesus, $28 million. make your money back. Just <laughs> pop out that <laughs> oh console my and my. see if there's any rocks back there. Jeez.
4: Mm. I do
5: not condone, for those at home, the buying or selling of any illegal substances. <laughs> I, I do
4: not co- condone any any use of cocaine. Caffeine is my cocaine. If I ever did cocaine once, I would be totally addicted. So no uh, stay away unless somebody slips it to me when I'm having a presidential debate. and For uh, <laughs> then then
5: me, it's, it's carbohydrates. Yeah. <laughs> carbohydrates.
2: Jesus.
5: <laughs> oh, all right, so I'm going to send you guys off with this, with, with this story uh, that I think should probably get you guys talking. The iPhone has been declared the perfect tool for improving your ESP skills. Uh, Anybody, any wow. of you guys want an iPhone? I don't I'm like on the iPhone battery. right now. You're on your like iPhone. That. I'm speaking through my iPhone. This is not an Apple ad unless, you know, you want to give money. My name is Frank Tadaro. I will give you <laughs> money.
3: <laughs> First some people play solitaire. The iPhone, then collect the money. Come on, yeah. what is the story? How do you develop your psychic powers with the iPhone?
5: Well, you know, everybody has these little apps. Some people play Solitaire, some people update their Facebook profile, some check the stock market, but now some are improving their extrasensory perception skills. This new app came out recently called the ESP Trainer that was originally developed under the NASA program by Russell Targ at Stanford Aha! Research Institute.
4: Psychic mm-hmm. Warfare, I told you. Psychic <laughs>
5: Warfare and NASA. You know, so some guy with an iPhone in Romania was training really hard to uh, knock out the uh, presidential hopefuls. So we have found, as a direct quote from ESPResearch.com, we have found that people are able to improve their ESP scores by using a machine just like this uh, to get in touch with a part of themselves that is psychic. This is often called a clairvoyant ability and can enhance your life in many surprising ways. At least one psychic recommends that people who want to develop their sixth sense, now this is something that's not exclusive to iPods or iTunes or whatever the heck, that you play electronic games. Find an electronic game where there's a target that you have to hit, but at the same time there are obstacles that are in your way that you have to get around. Play that game for some time, that feeling, that I'm-in-the-zone feeling, that sense of excitement and sense of knowing when you hit the target, along with that sense of relief when you finally hit the target, That's the feeling you get when you're doing psy work says Demi Andre, a sensitive who works with the police and uh, frequently to solve cases. The game is simple but addictive. The player attempts to predict which of four colored squares the application has chosen. The right answer causes the device to vibrate and provide other positive feedback. In a year-long NASA program with 145 subjects, many people were able to significantly improve their scores four of the subjects improved their scores at 100 to 1 levels or better. So there you have it. Apparently mm. playing video games is going to give me superpowers, Mom. So, <laughs> all those times you told me, quit that Super Mario Brothers 2, every time I pulled that radish out of the ground, reading your mind. Reading your mind. Well, I- I'm
3: speechless over that one. I mean, I- I'm familiar with the, um, like the psychic tests that use various colors or various shapes and different mm-hmm. things of that nature. And, I, I mean, I never heard of it to um, sharpen your psychic abilities, but I've heard if, you know, you have the ability, I mean, obviously people have the ability to take it to evaluate how psychic they are. But what you're saying is that when there's a game with a target, you go into a zone, and that zone is similar to um, psi work. Wow. This is I mean, this, this is, is, this is like just weird. This one person.
5: <laughs> <laughs> and, and I have to say, I, I play video games. I play video games frequently. I know that feeling of, like, once you kind of get into a niche, I mean, imagine driving down the street and you just suddenly hit green light after green light after green light. Eventually, you're like, oh, man, I am just, like, a green light hitting god. This is, this is great. You're in the zone. I mean, it's probably the same thing with sports. It's probably the same thing with other types of games where you have to do something repetitively over and over again very well at a heightening difficulty. But apparently she says this is the same feeling that she gets. Wow.
3: Hmm. So, um. yeah. Uh, so, Frank, since you're such a game player, what's my middle name? Lady?
5: <laughs>
3: I want to know. I want to see how psychic you are. Come on, come on. Uh,
5: Galadriel. <laughs> 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 oh, my
3: God, I'm so impressed. <laughs> see that? Lady Gadadriel Fontaine, thank you. I see it's Galadriel.
5: You had to ruin it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Frank, thank you. I think these stories are fabulous. I love them. Uh, thank <laughs> you very much. All right,
5: so I, t-
6: I want to let everyone know that the phone lines are open. Um, please call 646-381-4141 to speak with Lady Fontaine and Dr. Cirillo. Um, They're here to answer all of your questions about love, relationships, and life generally. Get the best of both worlds. Call 646-381-4141 to get the expert advice on things that are troubling you.
5: So,
6: all right. I think we're going to interview Lady Fontaine now. How do you feel about that, Frank?
5: I'm ready to go. I've got <laughs> so many questions. I'm ready to go too. <laughs> you <really> ask me. <laughs>
4: Lady Gabriella Fontaine. <laughs> what is the I, is I mean? like it. I like it. I like oh,
2: it. Okay. Okay,
5: just, gonna it's just going to morph throughout the night. By the end, it's like Contessa <laughs> Gabriella Fontina or
4: something. I like how, it. How, how, how about Lady Diva Fontaine? I like. Guy, uh, Are you she's, naked, she's Lady Fontaine? <laughs>
6: yeah. yeah oh, we were, <laughs> this is a T rated show, guys. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, here's the thing. I've always wondered, um, Lady Fontaine, when did you first know that you're a psychic?
3: Um, the, probably the second I was born. Um, and I, I mean that um, kind of seriously. Um, and, and it really wasn't the second I was born, but I have a memory um, from when I was very, very young. And I, Well, it was from before I was born, but I remembered it when I was very, very young. And I was asking my mother, um, probably from as soon as I could talk, if I was born dead. And it, my, my, my mother was the type that was very intrigued by psychic phenomenon and stuff of that nature, so she asked me why, and I said, I remember being born. And she said, well, what do you remember seeing? And I said, well, I remember being somewhere that everything was all white and there were these beautiful, you know, flowers all around, and like in the far distance was sort of like church, a church or, you know, some sort of, yeah, it was a church. I mean, the way my childhood memory was, it was a church. And um, I all of a sudden heard this really weird music. And when you heard that music, wherever we were, when you heard that music, it meant that somebody was coming back. So I knew that that somebody was me, but I was so busy, you know, um, enjoying where I was, I really didn't want to go back. And I'm going to finish the story in a minute. I just want to sort of throw in that my adult version of um, understanding how life works and how reincarnation works and things like that, negate some of the things I'm going to tell you, but I'm going to tell you anyhow what I remember from my earliest memories. So anyhow, the next second, there's sort of like this sound, and then the next thing I realized, um, going down a tunnel. Now, this was long before people were having these um, near-death experiences, and they were experiencing all of these um, going through the tunnel phenomenon. So um, there I am going through the tunnel, and the person that was with me, the being that was with me, is sort of explaining to me what this life is going to be like. And then suddenly he stops, and he does a um, clockwise circle beneath us, and I look into the delivery room, and there's my mother on the the table, and she's in the process of giving birth to a baby. So um, as soon as I saw her, I kind of knew exactly what my life was going to be, and I started fighting with the guy. I'm going, I'm not, hey, no way. I'm not in for this. I'm going back. <laughs> and he's saying, you know, he's like trying to convince me to go. And I'm going, I'm not going. I'm not going back. And he said to me, you have to go back. I said, I'm not going. And then the baby's born, and they, they're they all worrying about the baby, like going cry, cry, and they're doing this and doing that to the baby, and the baby's just doing nothing because I'm, my spirit's busy fighting with this guy. And then finally he said to me, you have to go back, but it won't be for long. And then there was this kind of sound and feeling, and the next thing there was all this crying. So I remembered that from as early as I could talk, and I was telling my mother about that. Um, So I don't know that that was indicative of me being psychic, but it certainly was indicative of me having some... um, extrasensory something or other. There was something, obviously, that wasn't the traditional memory that a, you know, three-year-old kid would have about being born.
6: Is there anybody in your family, like, is it genetic? Like, you know, did you learn this from anybody, or is it just something that you knew inherently?
3: Um, I I didn't know that my father had the ability, the ability till he was, you know, way up there in age, but when my father was, you know, right before he died, my father died in 2003, but we had a bunch of conversations in he was telling me stories about when his brother died, like 10, 10 years earlier, that his brother came back to visit him, and they had a dialogue about things. And then one time my father was in the hospital many, many years back, and his best friend who had passed over um, also came to visit him. So apparently he had the ability to communicate with the other side. Um, he was able to see them because they, full, they came to him in full you know, full body, I tell who's ever on the other side, don't. you know, I'll listen to you, but I don't want to see you, because I, I truly would get scared. But, um, you know, even as a kid, I always knew. I was able to communicate with the other side, and I just always knew um, things. I would just tell my mother what other people were thinking. I would tell my mother who was on the phone before the phone would even ring.
2: Did it scare wow.
3: you when it first started to happen? No, for me it was just an everyday event, because this is who I was. You know, I didn't know any different. All I knew was that I was very fortunate to have a mother who was so intrigued with this that she would get all giddy about it, like, oh, tell me more. Who is it? What what What's going on? How did you know that? So I would get the, you know, impression from her that I was doing something great. So that right. would, you know, encourage me to be open and get more information. But, you know, as a kid, where most kids are out there, you know, playing um, with dolls and stuff, I'm sitting there like looking at the universe and I said universe well I didn't say universe back then I said I know there's a secret world out there open up to me wow. um you know and how would a kid I was five six seven eight years old how would I even know anything like that
4: sounds like you had a lot of brilliance and and an imagination and your psychic father and your mother who was so intrigued first by him and then by you or she would not have married a psychic encouraged it don't all kids have a trace of this yes, I absolutely. seem to remember and then it's discouraged, not encouraged, because in countries like India where it's encouraged, it's a lot more prevalent.
3: You're absolutely right. I mean, that's the biggest problem of what's going on with our society is we don't fully understand. And when, when children talk about having playmates and when they talk about, you know, communicating with whomever, um, parents always say, there's nobody here. You don't have this playmate. And eventually the door shuts because we're, we learn that what we actually see isn't true.
4: Well, so the boundaries I mean, come up. The boundaries get stronger. Getting that, know, uh prior conversation. Mm-hmm. Here, here in, the US, in
6: here in the U.S., um, you know that kind of power is frowned upon. You know, it's, it's, it's. You know, there's for some reason I don't know why they think Christianity and you know having psychic power don't coexist well with each other. You oh, know, I
2: remember.
4: astrology. I <laughs>
2: the Joan of I supposed
4: to do a show with. Uh, one of the channels, and, and when they found out we were doing Psychic, the guy canceled the show. This is true. I used to co-host with the Psychic because he felt that God helped him when he had cancer, and he got better, and that if he did the Psychic show, it would be like a, a slap in the face A slap in God. the face, correct. Yeah, which isn't It's true.
6: ridiculous. It's, it's yeah. like, you know, everything coexists together. Like, I don't understand why, you know, I, I mean, you know, I'm not going to get on my soapbox, but, you know, the, the truth is, you know, one of the, like, the gifts that people have here in the United States are stifled because, you know, somehow it's bad, you know.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, you're right. Well, but that's because it's fear. It's fear-based because people are afraid. And, unfortunately, we so, we as a society so buy into traditional religion that we're so afraid to step outside of the box. And think of what happened in, you know, uh, a couple hundred years ago, whenever it was, when, you know, the witches were burned at stake and different things like that. I mean, there Correct. were obviously major consequences for having any powers, any, any yes. love, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, or psychic powers.
4: Especially any superior powers. If you could see that the uh, mayor of the town was having an affair with so-and-so, uh, <laughs> right. he's at <had> a
2: bar. <laughs> right. Right.
4: right.
2: public.
4: Yeah. Oh, right. I can see yeah. that yeah right
3: can, uh, so you a question I've always wanted to ask you. can you yeah. read for yourself? no no i oh. um there are to- I have to say that I get a lot of information when I'm just not asking it you know just little things like I'll get a really bad feeling about going home the way I usually go home, and then I'll take another way and then I'll hear that there's you know a major accident or major traffic jam or something like that in the other in the way I usually go home. And I'm, I'm guided in that way, but when I have stuff going on in my life, it's, I, I've learned to sort of get a gut feeling for myself, and I, I follow my own intuition. But it's truly hard for any psychic to read for themselves. It really is. I, I used to, um, you know, have certain people that I would sort of get input from. Now I'm more the type that just works to figure, you know, get that feeling from myself. I try not to give my power away, and I'm not saying that, you know, going to a psychic is giving your power away, but I work hard to try to dig deep into myself to get the psychic answers, but it's hard. It's very, very hard. You know,
6: like I feel like I give great advice to my friends, but when it comes to myself, terrible, uh-huh. and I'm not well, psychic. I was <laughs> just thinking the same exact I thing. I think we all do that. Yeah. Exactly. You know, I give myself very good advice, but I very <laughs> r- seldom
5: follow it. <laughs> exactly. There's that old adage, like, you have you have all the world's answers, but it's an application where there's a problem. I mean, <laughs> right. and, and perhaps it's all the same, you know, you say you're not psychic, but perhaps like, uh, Lady Fontaine, what you call it, the, the source Right? We to, we have, universe, worked, right exactly maybe it's the same sort of sort <laughs> of energy that you're tapping into when your friend calls you saying i can't believe she left me and whatnot and you give them advice so I mean, it very likely could be like
6: that i mean that's what i think there are people that are excellent at math you know there are people that are you know brilliant at music and then there are people that are perceptive and then there's you you know, and, and we take, like, you know, and, and all of these, these things exist and are embraced in our society, but for some reason, the perceptive person that is genius when it comes to perception is somehow frowned upon, which is tragic. It's it is. really tragic.
2: It is. And, you
3: know, I think we're a long way away from that really being um, outwardly embraced and really respected, you know, in the same way that being, say, uh, you know, a, a musical prodigy or an exactly. artist or something of that nature. Mm-hmm.
6: I mean, exactly. when I go
3: to so, sh- social events and people say, "What do you do for a living?" I'm not running, jumping up and saying I'm a psychic. I say, <laughs> the <other> part <laughs> of I, I think
4: it'd be very popular all of a sudden. Well, They'd am. all be waiting online line for a reading. But I, who wants that? You want exactly. to enjoy yourself. Exactly. Yeah.
3: When I when at my my mm-hmm. um, uncle's funeral, my cousin kept introducing me as a psychic. And I had people, I said, you know, I'm in mourning. <laughs> I want to just be alone, you know, not have to give readings constantly. But still, you know, there's a whole group of people that would brown upon that and look at you and go, oh, what? You know, what do you do? And right away they would say, oh, God, this one's got to be off in left field. So, you know, the other part of what I do is I'm a life coach, and very few people, um, you know, say anything, you know, negative about that. imagine if I wanted to go in and get, you know, a mortgage. Well, what do you do for a living? I'm a psychic. I mean, you know, <laughs> no, you yeah. say you're, you're self-employed. <laughs>
6: exactly. Well, <Although laughs> that's that are, is
3: true, right. <laughs> people are consulting psychics now more than they ever have. Oh, sure. Right. I mean, I've done a lot of very serious work with major Fortune 500 companies. Um, mm-hmm. I have, you know, certain clients that have been my clients for over 20, 25 years uh, major, very high-level people in major you know, banks and financial institutions.
5: And, and Lady Fontaine, uh, your listeners know about so many different hats that you wear. Uh, you're the number one love psychic and advice-giver extraordinaire. Uh, you work with these companies, but something they may not know about, which I'm about to ask you right now, is your experience as an investigator. What a role do you play?
3: Paranormal investigator.
5: Exactly. Working what
3: with role?
4: the police or, or uh-huh. crime investigations. You're talking about that, right? Well, that or just, he's asking. Exactly. About. <laughs> exactly. I'm
5: I'm talking more about we're ready to believe you type investigations. Well, what what, what role do you play in these?
3: Well, um, many different roles. Um, Like what Jean has, Dr. Cirillo had just said about the um, paranormal investigations with working with the police on, and I've done that with um, murder cases. I've done that with missing missing children. I've done Mm -hmm. that on a lot of different things. Now, I do not um, do that work on a regular basis. We had a guest here a couple weeks ago, Jackie Barrett, who works, you know, extensively. Mm With um, police investigations, I don't, I can't. Emotionally, I can't do it. I just can't. It's it's too taxing for me. But um, I do. I have done many, many cases. Um, I've worked on a few murder cases and a few missing um, children cases. And you know, it's it's,
4: taxing because you have to feel the pain, say, of the murder victim in order to track them. Isn't that the case?
3: That that's true, as well as all the pain and all the people around you. Um, It's more than just empathizing with, you know, the fact that they have various losses, but it's everything that I'm I'm feeling and I'm covering. They're holding on to every word that I say, and I could feel and see the pain that they're going through as I'm getting closer or uncovering things or even, you know, in a regular investigation if I lead the police to a certain location, because of, you know, what I'm feeling happened at that location, that's extremely difficult for loved ones to know. It's in some way cleansing, and they, they're able to get closure, but it's sort of like I, I can't help in some way of feeling responsible for all their pain, even though it's not my fault. I know the information that I deliver is never, well, they left this site alive and yeah. thriving, so let me go find them. You know, it's, it's very rarely that kind of good news. Um, do, you, so, do you
5: often... So do you often pick up on, say, the emotions of the people, just the living people in the room?
3: Yeah, yeah. Like,
5: like, and you it's kind of hard for you to block out then, or...?
3: Um, that's probably my biggest problem, is blocking out, even when I'm working with, um, um, you know, uh, spirits that I've passed on. It's very difficult for me to get them to leave me alone. I've... Um, strengthen my abilities with that but that's always been my weakness and once they find me I've always been told I'm a beacon of light to the other side and once they kind of like find me they don't leave me alone so I don't open to, to that that often anymore I really don't but um, you know it I, I prefer working with people who are dealing with real life situations only because it's sort of like you, I feel you still sort of have control of the situation when you're working with on a murder murder case or something. The only thing that you're doing is helping them either find the body, find the person alive, and, you know, figure out details. And I've had families ask me questions like, you know, various um, ceremonies or things that they had at funerals, did, you know, their, their daughter or the this or the that appreciate this and that and the other thing. And it is taxing to get into that energy from all sides, from the family side as well as dealing with, you know, the person who, has, who had passed on. Obviously when, when there is a murder situation and um, somebody's already on the other side, they're already forgiving and moved on. Um, you know, we don't hold on to that kind of stuff. I mean, the families do, but they don't. But I can tap into how they died. And the feelings that they felt, you know, right before they were dying, and as they were dying—that's very close. Yeah, that part. Yeah. Really I'm
4: is. not sure I would want to have that ability. It, it would be hard to live with and, and still function in, in regular life with yeah. all these uh, pieces of information coming at you.
2: Yeah,
3: it is, and that's why I've worked very hard, and I've worked with um, one one psychic who is some is my mentor, um, Suzanne Northrop. Um, who's a very, very famous psychic medium, Um, she worked with me years back, like 20 years ago or so, to to learn how to close that door, because basically she said, just tell them to go away, and it doesn't always work that easily, at least for me it didn't.
5: Well, that's funny, because as as people have different personalities, uh, I mean, you can sort of come to the conclusion that they would retain those on the other side, too. When you communicate with the other side, would you say that some spirits are just... More pleasant than others too, uh, sure. um, sort like the you, friend, to you mean the friendly
4: of ghost things? versus the un- the friendly exactly. ghost? Exactly. Are the, are,
5: <laughs> are there ghosts that are jerks? Are there ghosts that have senses of humor? Absolutely. Are they like, yeah? yeah?
3: Absolutely, sure. I mean, really, the 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 personalities that they had when they live where they were alive in this lifetime is typically what's coming through when I'm picking up because usually it's somebody. Let's let's walk away from the situation of dealing with a murder case. Let's just look at if I'm channeling for somebody, you know, and and acting as a medium. Um, you know, it's like the person that is the human person, the alive person that I'm um, working with, um, has you know is is going to recognize them by the spirit coming through with some very specific personality traits. For instance, when my mother comes through, she always comes through loud and laughing and always with flowers. She was a florist in, in, her, in, her, in, her, in her this lifetime. She was a florist. So always anybody who's in the room will always smell flowers. Um, so it's, they And have, they might say expressions that they said when they were living? Um, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, otherwise Go. the person who you're reading for isn't going to recognize them if they're not giving you all those traits.
5: So it's it's an actual, um, so what you, I mean, for lack of a better term here, when you communicate with the other side is an actual language. You don't have to translate it necessarily. It's actually the words are in your head of what they're saying?
3: It, uh, sometimes, yes. I mean, it depends. With when we're doing, um, um, when I'm acting as a medium, it's, it's oftentimes different than acting as a psychic. Um, oftentimes as a medium, there are things that come through that are very succinct. In fact, when I did, um, Some channeling work for Joanna and her family, there was a situation um, with somebody who came through for her sister, and I remember giving some very specific information, and, you know, she was acknowledging it right away, and she recognized it. I mean, basically what I was getting was a name and certain personality traits that were coming through. Um, sometimes there's very specific words, sometimes there's very specific messages. It really all depends. But when I'm acting as a psychic, um, I'm more often getting um, impressions. I'm getting feelings. I'm hearing words. I could be seeing colors. I'm sometimes getting flashes of, um, you know, visuals on something. That is very much a matter of interpreting. The other thing I want to mention is acting as a medium Um, there's oftentimes you do have to interpret because names don't always come through. You know, sometimes uh, um, Sean might sound like John. You know, there's a a bunch of things. I mean, not every, every connection with the other side is very clear either. I mean, it just isn't. Sometimes I've got to really sort of, you know, listen intently to pick up, Things. Sometimes people are talking with accents. Sometimes people talk fast. Sometimes there's multiple people. <laughs> like in real life.
5: Yeah. Yeah. I, I have one question to ask you that if you if you don't want to answer, you don't have to, but would you ever choose not to tell somebody something that you received from the other side for whatever reason it is, be it a personal judgment of hurtfulness or what have you? Have you ever had the instance where you decided to withhold something that you read?
3: Um... That's a very good question, and let me answer it this way. Um, there are times that things will come through, and I try to phrase it as in in as much of a positive way as i can. um, um Let's assume that I feel you know the potential of something going wrong with uh, you know in any situation you know someone going on a trip or Um, you know, getting into their car or something like that, I might suggest that they have their car checked, that I have a funny feeling about things or something of that nature. Um, See, I'm under, I I was certified by the International Certification of Psychics, and they have a very specific code of ethics. And I really honor that code of ethics. And basically what it says is that I'm going to be honest and truthful and give them, you know, the information as they see it. Um, I feel it. You, you kind of can't be judgmental when you're doing a reading because sometimes information that I might deem as not being important to somebody or being hurtful to somebody might be really what they need or what they have been waiting for. But still, obviously, I'm not going to let somebody go off, you know, telling them that they're going to die tomorrow or, God forbid, or something like that. I don't usually pick up stuff like that. But I might have a very funny feeling about a trip that they're going to take or, um, you know, an airplane or something of that nature. So if that's the case, I would try to come up with a very, um, you know, careful and, and positive way of just having them be cautious about something. Did well, I'm sure they'd question?
4: appreciate that. I think the, I think that Frank was asking more like, let's say if you know that a woman's husband is having an affair.
3: I will
5: tell them. Know, I will tell whether You will, yes.
4: whether she, react, whether she yes. wants to hear it here or yes. not
5: yeah oh, okay, all right for exactly, for whatever reason, be it something that's specific like that, or you feel it's going to hurt the person or you feel it's going to negatively impact your life I mean that's that's really that's interesting to me that yes, there is I a will. code of ethics that
3: not no everybody has is, the code of ap- ethics, but this yeah. <laughs> organization does, and it aligns well with what my what my belief is because again i don't I'm not God, so I'm, I'm who am I to be judgmental and say that you shouldn't hear this information? if it's coming through to me, it's a gift, and it's coming through for a reason.-
2: mm-hmm.
3: Well, you know, so I'll give it.
5: We have um, just one more one more question for you, and mm-hmm. then we'll start to take callers. This is something that Eileen and I were talking about, and it's sort of more or less what you just said, but the final question is. Why do you do this?
3: Um, I have to think of what the right, what, how I want to word this. Um, I do it because this is a gift that was given to me, and I do get a tremendous amount of um, satisfaction out of helping people and changing people's lives. Because, um, you know, let's assume that somebody, a client of mine, um, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a situation, wants to leave their job for another job. And, again, I will never tell a person what to do. I'm not the kind of psychic. There's, I know there's people out there that, you know, client will say, um, what should I do? Should I leave this relationship? Should I leave this job? And I don't feel it's my job to make their decisions for them, but I will tell them if they go in a partic- on a particular path. If you stay in this job, this is what I see. If you choose to leave this job and go to this new job, this is what I see. So let's assume in the new job I see that um, two weeks after they get there, there's going to be major layoffs and they're going to potentially lose their job. I would definitely, you know, let them know that information. And to me, I feel that's, that's what a psychic is all about, you know, and, and how that can actually save a person. still that person might decide to go take that job because it pays $30,000 a year more. But in the end, if they take that job, inevitably they do come back to me and say, you were right.
2: Well, you'd be
4: hurting them if you withheld it from them. I mean, that's not fair. They paid you uh, to do a job or they, or they expect you to help them. And if you have access to information that you don't give them, in the long run, it's hurtful.
3: Right. I, I agree with that. And that's that's basically what my approach is. But I do this because I was given a talent and an ability, and there's people out there that want sort of like a glimpse into the future and into you know um, how, into making decisions. You know, they want more than just what their conscious ability is in making a decision. I mean, some people will you know um, maybe research things on the internet. Some people will go to an astrologer, other people may go to a psychic, you know, I kind of think the best thing for people to do is look at all angles and get all the information that they can and then make decisions based on that
6: I, I agree 100% and this is like a fantastic way um, to get to know more about Lady Fontaine and I just want to let everyone know so the phone lines are now open please call 646-381-4141 to speak with Dr. Cirillo and Lady Fontaine they will take your calls until around 12:20 a.m. So call us now, um, and we have a couple callers. So first things first, we have Juliana, and she has um, a question about relationships.
3: Great, Juliana.
7: Hello, lady Fong Tai. I have, um yes, I've been listening. Um, interesting. Um, uh, my question is actually um. Because to a gentleman that I'm dating, I would not call um as a relationship. It's more of a friendship because mm-hmm. it hasn't got that far yet. But I just want to know, I don't really have a, a feeling one way or another because I don't have that uh, room in my heart at this point. I'm focusing on my transition in career transition. But I just want to know from what you feel and... Uh, what you, what your uh, insights is. His name is Peter.
3: Peter. All right. Let me just connect with his energy. All right. A um, couple things are jumping out at me. First of all, you know, he feels like um, a really fun person to be with and the energy between the two of you when you guys are together feels to me to be very easy flowing and, and just I don't know, there, there's a softness to his energy and just um, a, 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 kind of what I want to say, an exuberance. And I know those, they're kind of like opposites, but he seems to embody that. Is that true?
7: Yes, you're right. Easy
3: um, point. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and what I really feel is that Peter has a genuine liking for you, a very, very genuine liking. I don't feel Peter knows at this point what he really wants with this particular relationship with you, but I certainly feel... Um, an ongoing connection with the two of you. And I also feel um, the potential, slow potential. It doesn't feel to me that anything's going to shoot to, you know, a point very quickly where you're, you know, madly in love and running off into the sunset. But I feel an openness in his energy, and I feel what I kind of want to say a desire to see where this could possibly go. But I have to say it feels to me that it's crawling. Um, It feels to me that you guys are sort of um, in this, casual friend mode and Mm -hmm. you've been there for quite some time how long have you known him how long have you known him
7: well i've known him 13 years but uh, i um but i just moved to um, west coast where he is in town as he is about a year it's about a year we've been uh dating monthly dating
4: Mm-hmm. Um, well, sometimes when a man's been a friend for a long time, they they have mm-hmm. trouble making advances or bringing it to the next level because then they have concerns that if it doesn't work, they're gonna lose the friendship.
7: And and I think that's happening on your part too. Is is that well, part of the issue? No, but because initially, thirteen years ago, actually we met through introduction. I was living in Boston, and he was in LA, and. Uh, I ended after I, I ended a relationship after six months because uh, he was not really going anywhere, and I didn't want to be in a situation long-distance relationship, just being not knowing what he wants. So I ended it. Um, but now I'm in the same town. We kind of just been dating, but I am feeling very much uh, on guard because of the uh, my experience with him, and then second. Um I'm just not interested with him in that level, but I still wanted to know you know we don't communicate very well. we do have fun, but we don't communicate mm-hmm. I don't want to communicate particularly because i don't know i don't want to have much to offer to him at this point.
3: well, I don't um, feel he's going away. Um, and the only way he's going to go away is if you more or less close that door yourself. I mean, he feels right. to
2: me that, mm-hmm.
3: you know, there's sort of like a momentum and a routine yeah. in your life. And he feels content. You know, I feel he's very happy yeah. with the level of, you know, friendship and connection and, and,
2: uh-huh. and
3: companionship that right. you guys have together. But it doesn't right. feel to me that it's going to soar to any great heights quickly, but mm-hmm. it feels to me that... um he's open if if you were open it could it feels to me it could very slowly develop into um what i want to say a better friendship with some romantic potential but it doesn't based friendship on what you're saying benefits. yeah well that, that's <laughs> right right
2: thing.
7: right, yeah but um lady fontaine my bottom line is i i, I almost wanted to close the door, but i just i can leave it open and say it doesn't hurt and it doesn't it doesn't hurt but my question is, do you? I'm really not looking for anyone, and I'm quite content. I have reached this level of being independent, um, of being content. But at the same time, I just wondered, will I ever have a lifetime partner? Do you see uh, that somewhere down the road?
3: Well, let me say this, that um, I'm just scanning your energy before I even say this. All right. Um, I feel the potential for you. It feels to me to be quite a bit in the future. But what right. I want to say to you is in order to draw in that that lifetime partner, um, you're going to have to sort of shift some of your energy around a little bit because just hearing what you said and feeling your energy um, you know, you're, you're content with your life as it is, and you're very independent. And I feel right. that even this situation with Peter, um, I feel there is potential there, but it's sort of like when he shows you that he's interested, I feel you, you're the one who actually shuts down and pulls away from him. Usually I see it so often reverse where it's the man okay. that does that. In this particular situation, I feel it's you, you're, you're the one doing that. Um, and I feel, it doesn't feel to me that this is the first, situation in your life where um an opportunity exists and you're kind of not that interested in it so i'm not saying that um you know you have to do a a 180 change within yourself but in order to draw in um love and romance you have to allow yourself to be open and vulnerable to it there is somebody that i i see out there he feels to me that um the potential for him coming in is sort of like the mid middle part of 2011. Uh-huh. Um, but let me tell you that um, you're going to have to do so. In order to draw him in in a romantic relationship, the best thing for you is to sort of figure out what barriers are sort of preventing you from really embracing a romance. Um, I Because you feel to me, your energy feels to me, Uh, sort of as if it has um, barricades around it, almost as if you have a lot of protection um, Mm -hmm. keeping people away. Is that true?
2: Mm -hmm. Yes,
7: yes, yes. Because um, it takes me about two years to be healed from any kind of a situation. So it's a lot of investment, and I said, Mm -hmm. okay, well, I I can't afford to make that sort of investment.
3: Right, and if you're feeling that, that's the kind of Mm -hmm. situations that you're going to, um receives back from the universe. So if you're sending out to the universe that I'm afraid <laughs> um I I I'm afraid that it's going to take too long to heal from it, this isn't uh-huh. going to work out anyhow, the universe <laughs> but, <laughs> it
4: gives you just what you're attracting. <laughs> right, you heard right, that discussion
7: right. before, right, on the law of attraction. Right.
2: Uh yeah,
7: yeah, yeah. Yes. I I I understand.
2: <laughs> Maybe
7: it takes a little time for me to heal. Then I said, I will work on it, though. It just, uh, it's pretty fresh. So, I'm <laughs> so, um, Well, just,
3: again, you um, should take your time. I mean, you shouldn't try to, to force yourself into healing right. sooner than you're ready. But in order right. to allow love into your life, you do have to allow yourself to be open and vulnerable to it. And you have to be willing to take chances. And sometimes that's hard. And if you have the walls up, um, even this guy that I'm feeling is out there. If you're not ready um, by the middle part of 2011 when I feel he's going to be entering Mm -hmm. into your life, then that will be delayed and he'll stay outside of, um, you know, entering your life until you're ready. Okay. Um, Dr. Cirillo, do you have any other take on that? Yeah. Well, you know, it
4: sounds like at this point, this guy is almost, I would say kind of like a band-aid that he's filling the need for human contact, communication, somebody who knows you a long time. And at the same time, he's safe in the sense that he's not uh, pushing for more. And I think part of you wants just what, what you're getting and, Maybe I think what Lady Fontaine is saying is that you won't be able to let in somebody who wants a relationship at a deeper level as, as long as you're afraid that they might eventually end and hurt you. So, yeah, there's a certain safety and a comfort of being with this guy, but another part of you is saying, uh, I, I think I want more and and I don't think he's going to give it to me. So when you're ready, you will probably start to break away from him and hopefully look toward this wonderful, mysterious stranger that's coming in the middle of
8: 2011. Fantastic. Well, we have Lily,
6: who has a question about marriage for um, Lady Fontaine and Dr. Cirillo. Um Lily, are you there?
1: Hi, Lily.
3: Hi. Hi, Lily. How are you?
1: Oh, I'm okay.
3: Good. How can we help you?
1: Okay, I have a question about um, my marriage. I was wondering if you can tell me um, if you see it working out. Because right now we're living apart.
3: What is your husband's first
1: name? It's Brian.
3: Okay, let me just connect with his energy. Um, all right, a couple things are jumping out at me. First. Um, there, it, it, it feels to me that you guys have been on an emotional roller coaster ride for you know a very significant chunk of time. Um, you know, he. How long have you actually been separated from him? Um, six months. And how long before that were you guys struggling? Because it feels a, like a very significant chunk of time. Um, we've been
1: financially struggling for three years, so that kind of put a strain on us because mm. he did a lot of um, made a lot of bad choices.
3: Mm. Um,
4: yeah, the outside stressors increase. They, they really test the relationship. I, I get the sense you've been tested quite a bit lately, yeah. and that's what led to this actual yeah. separation. But I think Lady Fontaine is saying you've been emotionally apart and there's been forces pulling
1: you up in opposite directions uh, quite Yeah, because yeah, he, usually he likes to disappear a lot throughout our marriage. And Three Ooh. years ago I had my son, and he disappeared right after I had him. Um, so I when you he's say he like
4: disappears, a, do you mean he's he, he, he's hard to find for a few hours, he goes off by himself, or do you mean you oh, no, literally he, don't
1: know where he is for a couple of weeks? He literally does not come home from work and rents himself an apartment.
2: <laughs> and
1: Ooh, Yeah, I think I he's like bipolar. That. I think he's bipolar. And, you know, um, the last, you know, he left six months ago because we were having um, some legal issues that were coming up. It was coming down to, you know, the final days of court and stuff and he just he was just impossible to have a conversation with or you know to discuss it and i kind of blew up on him and that was it he was out (laughs) so so he has his own
4: apartment it's it's just for him alone uh
1: well right now he's escape yeah he goes to escape usually to an apartment he used to drink a lot but not anymore um he used to always go to an apartment just to escape and right now we have no money so he went he turned to his parents and he hasn't had a relationship with them in about 20 years and so i was really shocked that uh, it's the last place i would have expected to find him well mm-hmm. so i think kind of long this time because they're kind of you know you know he's comfortable there so he's been long gone a lot longer well, you know, he needs to do something about his mental state, but if he
4: doesn't, you don't have direct control over that. You need to do something about your own uh, mental state because he's pulling you up and down on this bipolar roller coaster that you have no control over. Uh, what have you done to, to uh, you know, make things better for yourself?
1: Hey, I'm kind of just stuck in limbo. I'm just kind of stuck... Um... I'm just kind of stuck. I, you know, took a lot of time to get over the emotional thing because I really didn't think I would be living this again because I didn't really put together that he had a mental issue. I always thought it was drinking, but the drinking stopped, so it kind of, you know, the behavior is still the same, so there's a real problem. Well, you, know, they say you sober up the drunken horse thief. You still have a horse thief.
4: So sober up whatever it was. He was using the alcohol to self-medicate.
1: Right, he, might, because he, he won't, right. And right now we're stuck where he won't admit there's anything wrong with him. He's kind of blaming the relationship.
4: Well, well you know, maybe he's feeling his life would be less complicated if he was alone. Uh, he wouldn't have to answer to anybody. But uh, I think you should definitely demand, uh, almost if you're going to work on getting the relationship together, that you go for counseling as a couple. If he won't go, I would certainly uh, go yourself and and decide whether or not you want to stay with somebody because if he doesn't get help, your life is going to be this way, you know, till literally till death do the two of you apart, and I don't think you're happy living this way. So you have to decide what your alternatives are that are in your direct control. Can you do that?
1: Um, yeah, cause he's kind of being forced to do that, but I'm hoping one day he'll wake up, I'm just, you know. He's
4: not going to, no, no, it's not going to happen by magic, he's, he's too, we know that there's something physical, chemical, psychological, and that he's trying to escape from, and it's not going to happen by magic, it's going to happen by a lot of hard work on, on his part, and on your part, if you want to stay in the relationship, and if you decide that. At some point, you, you don't want to be with this person. Then, then what else are you going to do? But it, he has to get help. He's not going to just one way. One day, wake up and, and even after he stopped drinking, we saw how intense the problems were. So that's a pure fantasy on your part. It's not going to happen.
3: And see, the downside of it, Lily, is that what I feel in his energy is um, him. So he's not ready yet to assume responsibility for anything. It's not just you know he he's blaming you or he's blaming the relationship. I feel that's his mo. I feel that he doesn't assume responsibility for just about anything. So probably the whole length of your marriage and even before you were married, um, you he I, I can't find anywhere where I'm feeling him assume responsibility. Is that true? I'm, I'm sorry.
1: You're finding him what now?
3: I'm I'm not finding anywhere in reading his energy where he's really stepping up to the plate and assuming responsibility. It feels no. to me that he's always looking for excuses and always blaming us yes. about anything, not just you, but any situation—the job, the money, the this, yes. the that, the you, the argument, the—you know, whatever yes. it is—it's—it's it's right. never him. It's never him. So that's where no. where I have to agree with Doctor C- Doctor Cirillo that until he gets to the point where he wants to help himself, it's not even about your marriage at this point. It's about him and him wanting to improve the quality of his own life. If he's going to, you know, continue on the path that he's on, it's going to be, and he can't even manage his own life, much less try to manage being in a relationship with somebody and having it be a healthy relationship. So for this particular situation, you know, so much of it is in Brian's hands. When he, if and when he's ready, and I know your, your question to me probably is, do I see when he's going to be ready? Uh-huh. Um, to, to to heal himself. And when I look ahead, it just feels to me that he's, he's got such tunnel vision um, that he's got probably several more years of making excuses and blaming everything else and everybody else around him before he would step up to the plate and even consider that maybe it has something to do with him. I also feel he will be hard-pressed Uh, They'll be hard-pressed for you to get him into counseling, as Dr. Cirillo had suggested. Had you mentioned that to him before because he feels so resistant to it?
1: Um, You know, I didn't bring up marriage counseling because I know that's not an option because I know right now he's not willing to work on the marriage. What he just wants to do is live apart and show up when he wants to. Yeah, well, he can't do that, that forever way. unless you're willing to to get get involved
4: in your own interests and have your own life and you know think of him as as a, a family member who comes to visit once in a while and who has problems and you know then you can deal with it but you won't have a real uh, relationship. He he can't handle that unless he decides and he's willing to make the effort to work on it. You so know if was- he if he isn't, then you'll have to decide how you want to go on with
3: your life right lily what i would almost suggest is it feels to me that you're very open and very almost transparent to him letting him know that um you know you're grateful for whenever he does show up and you know that you love him and that you want to work this out and my feeling about that is that you know you're kind of rewarding the negative behavior here because he's not giving you anything um, that should support him getting love and admiration from you at this point. So what I kind of want to say is if you sort of pull back a little bit and you know let him think in some way, shape, or form that he has to earn your love and earn your respect, you may get slightly a better response from him. But it feels like he knows you want this marriage to work. He knows that um just about any time he steps forward your your main interest is fixing the marriage. If suddenly you didn't do that, I feel it would shake him up a bit and he may be marginally more um you know, more open to, you know, I don't want to say fix the he marriage. He might be scared
4: into getting help, I think, you know, I think if it. he if that's he thinks it. he's gonna if he thinks he's gonna lose her and that's where getting her own help and therapy and outside interests uh would right, would well, be beneficial, but I think that, I think like you said, like Lady Fontaine said, it it would be a very marginal, temporary kind of uh, shake up if you scare him and suddenly let him know that you aren't going to put up with it forever. But who knows? Sometimes the scare is good, and the person gets healthy, Stop drinking.
3: Right. And right. we didn't we think he could do that. A,
5: we have time for just about one more caller. Okay. Uh, All right. Thank this, thank you, Lily. Thank you. This is Karen. And Karen has a question about her career. Sure. Hi, Karen.
8: Hi, hi. How are you?
3: Good. How are you?
8: I'm doing okay.
5: Good. How can we help you?
8: Um, I have a question regarding my career and what direction it's going to head into. I'm not sure what's going to happen with my current work situation. Or um, they, they've been doing massive layoffs.
3: Mm. So. And it feels it feels even deeper than layoffs. It almost feels like um major restructuring of the organization and um even feels to me top level people are being let go in in your company. Is that true?
2: yeah
8: there's been seven rounds of layoffs and um it seems like you know every other month there's something going on. We got um bought out about two years well two and a half years ago, and it's just been horrible. <laughs>
4: Often when that happens, the new management tries to slowly replace the old people with quote-unquote their people, and it's only a matter of time. The best you can do then is try to blend in with their people and show loyalty to the organization. Do you have other uh, interests or potential for your career? I don't know what field you're in.
8: I do have, I may have an option to relocate to another area. I live in Orlando, and I may be able to relocate to Fort Worth, but in a way, because I've seen how, not dirty, but how this company treats people, I'm not sure if that's an option I want to do. Mm. I mean, I know in this economy, it, you know, you need to keep a job and so forth, but i just don't want to do a major relocation and get out there and six months later I'm hauling my stuff home.
3: Well, let me put it to you like this. I actually feel, believe it or not, that the Fort Worth opportunity feels to me to be a, a tad bit more promising than where you are right now. Um, and and, and uh, what, I, what I mean by that is, you know, for some reason that job or that location or how they're running that office feels to me it feels like it's a smaller office and it feels to me it's more of a sense of a homey feeling in that office than where you are right now is it is it a smaller branch or a smaller office No,
8: that's
3: corporate that's corporate (laughs) so i wonder if i'm actually and you're in the smaller office right now i'm in
8: the smaller office that's very homey
3: oh okay so then i was i was reading it wrong so then for right now stay there because the other opportunity didn't feel as the one that that felt larger to me felt um, very intimidating. That you've only seen the very very beginning of um, major shakeups. I mean, major. And what Dr. Cirillo was saying about um, usually when new or, new management comes in, that they do these they slowly replace the people. In this particular instant instance, it feels to me it's not slow. They're coming in and they're doing major hatchet jobs here. Major. Yeah, it's a bulldozer. Yeah, I could feel that. Yeah,
8: one day um, somebody there in the next state and they're not what I'm really wanting to do is I'm wanting to stay in Florida. I'm in 47 and I'm suffering from some health problems as well. I have an immune problem I was born with. Mm-hmm. And I'm wanting to move by the coast and get a job by the coast in something a little bit lower key, but you know, with everything going on, I I just I'm just so lost.
4: Well, while you have this job, that's the best time to look for something else. I know it's not always the most convenient because you, you don't have that much time, but I would certainly use whatever connections you have in the field or whatever opportunity you have while you're still employed and you got the paycheck coming in to look for something yeah. else. Even if you had to take a slight cut in salary, uh, it, it sounds like it would be worth it because uh, all indications here, whether you're psychic or not, you know, say yeah, that your yeah. days are limited here.
8: I, I was I hoping think. maybe some, you know, even though I have the relocation, you know, um, as an advantage, but I I don't think that's a that's a great environment for me, and I didn't kind of want to be backed in the corner, and I was hoping maybe Spirit had something else down the pike that was, you know, would be a little bit easier on me since I do have health problems.
3: Well, what I want to say to you, there's three months out of this year that are are jumping out at me as being the most potential for you um, either landing a new job or new opportunities um, opening up for you, and that's April, July, and September of this year. I'm feeling almost without a doubt that if you pursue some of these opportunities that are going to be opening up for you in those months, um, Uh that one or more has the potential of leading to some sort of, um, I want to say, promising employment. So what I mean by that is, it it might not. I don't feel you're going to know going in all the all the potential that's actually behind you know that particular opportunity. Um, I'm feeling, especially in this September timeframe, um, another opportunity in Florida. It doesn't feel to me that you're going to have to locate outside of Florida. But, honestly, start looking, start putting out your feelers. It almost feels yeah. to me through um, almost either a mutual contact or through internal networking within um, either your, your department or people who have recently left the company or something yeah. like that, another opportunity. And, again, especially in this April, July, and September time frame. but you will definitely be in a new job um, by September. I have no doubts about that. And I could feel you being more... Um, it just, it's a more harmonious situation, probably the way it was before um, the, the new management came in and the buyout and all that kind of thing. It had um, almost a sense of, like we talked about before, that homey feeling, a lot of continuity with the people around you. I feel a lot of very good people that you work with have left the company, and I feel some of them are in different positions at that point, and it almost feels to me that a door will open through one of those contacts.
8: You're not feeling the Fort Worth thing as a good thing either.
3: Well, uh, the the location that felt homey to me is where, if you had the, if if there was an option of where you should go, it should not be with the one that wasn't homey in the larger organization. It felt to me the smaller organization that was more homey feeling is where you're not going to be um, really. That's risking. where I am now. Right. So I feel the risk of you losing your job is much lower at that organization where you are right now, but it's still not feeling that it's a comfortable work envir- environment for you. I mean, I'm feeling. Oh, no,
8: they they did tell me I'm losing my job where I am now. I, I did they give have... you a
3: time frame for that?
8: Um, They said it could be between now, like in the next two months, or by the end of the year they didn't give a time frame at all. Okay. So, to me, but, if want. One day it's one thing, and the next right. day
4: it's well. You're else. lucky. At least you have a heads up. They've been honest with you. I get the sense they're probably going to close that nice, homey environment because it's not worth it for them to keep it open and yeah. put everything in the more centralized, impersonal location. Where already it's not. It, you're not set for it to work, even if it could work, because this isn't something you're looking forward to. With anxiousness in the good sense you're looking forward to it with negative uh, feelings trepidation so you have this from two months to the end of the year to to seriously look for another job while you're still employed
3: and Karen it feels to me it would be more towards the end of the year rather than two months and by then you're going to already have another another job lined up
4: Yeah, and it doesn't sound like it's Karen's issue that, you know, it sounds like they like her as a person, but uh, they, they for whatever reason, aren't going to be operating the way they were before. Right. So they've told you you can count on them for a good reference. You know, you're not going out with anything negative, which you take the chance of happening if you transfer to Fort Worth and, and don't like it.
2: Right. And show that you don't
4: like it.
3: Right. Karen, are you still there? Well, okay,
4: I think she's probably still listening though. So, okay. uh, all
3: right. Yeah, well, we I, we certainly hope we appreciate you calling, and we hope we helped. Um, Frank or Eileen, is there anyone else?
4: Frank or Eileen, are they both busy technically? I guess mm-hmm. we
3: I guess we're the
8: only ones left. Dr. Well, hello. Hello. Oh, hello. Every, every time Have we say Frank, can
4: is you not hear me? Here. Frank is there? Hello. This is like, Fred's not here, the old Christian I'm never going to
2: that not again. not
4: All oh, right.
5: Can, can, can you guys word.
4: hear
2: me?
5: Just testing, testing. About, testing. Yes,
4: we hear you. We hear
5: you. Hello there, ladies. <laughs> yes, we're doing uh, yeah, a that's, that's, but we hear you. <laughs> that's actually all the time we have for calls this week.
3: All right. Well, this, um, this was great. I really had fun yeah. tonight. I really did. I love the interview. I love the interview questions. <laughs> I thought they were absolutely fabulous, guys. So thank you. <laughs>
5: Well, it was our pleasure. It was was good learning a little bit more about you for us, and I'm sure the listeners out there now know just a few
2: slices more. Oh, if anybody
4: anybody wants to actually see me in person, I'm I'm going to be on the History Channel on Thursday at 10 o'clock Eastern Time and at 4 p.m., 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. Eastern Time, the Stonehenge episode of Mystery Quest. And I come on sort of in the last three quarters of the program, putting a man under hypnosis to show how sound affects the brain. So sometimes you want to match the face with the voice, and this will be our opportunity to do that.
5: All right. The Stonehenge episode of Mystery Quest?
4: The Stonehenge episode of Mystery Quest that's on the History Channel, and it's at 10 o'clock and uh, 4 o'clock during the day on Thursday Eastern Time.
3: Well, terrific. I know I'm going to be watching well, I'm going
2: to be watching, too. Exciting. Well,
3: I wanted to thank, thank all our listeners and callers for being here and for sharing life's experiences and challenges with us. And I also want to thank my co-hosts, Eileen Kwan and Frank Tadero for their outstanding job and contributions to the show and to my dear friend and guest, co-host, Joanna Sanchez, for her support and friendship. And a huge thank you to Dr. Jean Cirillo for her awesome perspectives and advice, and for being part of the show, helping me to guide listeners along the often challenging path of life. I am in gratitude to all of you.
2: All right, so
4: how are we going to get in touch with the quick website, drjeantv.net, And Lady
2: Fontaine? Oh, you're doing the closing tonight, team? Hello. Well, nobody else is doing it. Well,
5: remember to tune in next week, everybody, at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to hear more of Lady Fontaine and Dr. Cirillo taking your calls live here on I Am the Future, Tintillating conversation and expert advice as callers experience the best of both worlds with two of America's top relationship experts. Those interested in learning more about Dr. Cirillo, please visit her website at DrJeanTV.net That's D-R-J-E-A-N TV.net Her book, The Complete Idiot's Guide to Self-Testing Your IQ, is available in bookstores now. Don't forget to li- visit Lady Fontaine's website at LadyFontaine.com L-A-D-Y-F-O-N-T-A-I-N-E.com. com. You can also follow Lady Fontaine on Twitter and Facebook for her latest announcements. Those interested in learning more about Eileen Kwan and her band, visit uh, www.myspace.com slash idlifecrisis that's I-D-L-I-F-E-C-R-I-S-I-S those interested in learning more about Frank Todaro that's me please visit his, his website or my website rather at franktodaro.tv that's F-R-A-N-K-T-O-D-A-R-O o.tv this has been I on the Future with Lady Fontaine I'm Frank Todaro reminding you to be good to each other and keep looking forward.
3: Thank you guys. Good night. Good night.
0: Good night. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered jumbacasino.com.
1: It's my little escape.
0: Now Judy's the life of the party.
1: Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs>